Hey, I'm glad you're back. I know I'm throwing you off with the tie this morning. That must be it, right? You're like, what? Who is that our pastor? I don't know. I just thought I'd dress up. You're back. It's good to be here. It's a brand new year. So um, glad you're here. Pull out an outline that's in your program. I want to teach you an incredible message this morning. And uh, last Sunday, I started this series, The Blessed Life. And I'm telling you, it was, uh, it was a prophetic message for the times in which we live right now. If you haven't watched it, you haven't seen it yet, go back online. Just as uh, in labor, as the intensity and the frequency of the birth pains uh, increase, so you can tell as the signs of the times, as, as Bible prophecy is being fulfilled at a rate like I've never seen in my whole life, as that's happening, as the frequency and the intensity of these fulfilled prophecies are happening, so you know that the day of the Lord is near. And I just think that sets the context for our series, The Blessed Life, because God's not trying to teach you something so that you can have more and just get more. All these things that we're chasing, this is not about getting more. In fact, that's the very thing we think is going to give us happiness. And uh, people are chasing after all these things, and God has something so much bigger in mind. It's not as if God is in heaven going, Oh, I'm so glad my people have finally figured out it's about getting more <laughs> stuff. And that's not the heart of God. So the blessed life is different than what you think. So I hope that you'll go back and you'll hear this very timely message because when God gets a hold of your heart and you see what he's doing in the world and you realize the times in which we're living, it changes all of your priorities. And so that was the first week of the blessed life. And today I want to talk about the heart. So if you'll find Deuteronomy, uh, the second chapter... I'm going to start off by reading a scripture from the book of Matthew and from the book of Luke. Some of you have started reading The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris. It's the companion resource for this series. It's sold anywhere books are sold. Uh, I encourage you to get that and read that. And my outline today is from a message he preached that really opened up my understanding to this whole uh, subject. It's a great message that I'm going to share that outline with you today. Um, but here is the thing, The Blessed Life. Blessing means happy. How do I... How do I finally become happy? It seems so elusive. People are truly seeking happiness in life and trying to figure out how to get it. In fact, we should be happier. We're making more. We have more than we used to have. You never had a smartphone before, but you have one now. Are you happier? You know? Are you a happier person deep in your soul? The blessed life is not chasing happiness. Happiness is a byproduct of God's blessing. When you find yourself thinking like God, and when your heart is like God, and you start acting like him, God says, now you're a person I can bless. And when you're in the middle of what he's blessing, happiness, joy, peace, fulfillment, it's a byproduct of being in the center of God's will. And so I want to talk to you about the heart. It's all about the heart. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Let me show you this on the screen. Look at, what I'm, look at these heart issues that Jesus addresses. Judge not that you will not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. What's the subject of this verse? Judgment. He's saying, judge not, don't judge, because... The way in which you judge, it will be measured back to you. If you judge, it's going to be measured back to you. Now, I want to go to the parallel passage of this in Luke chapter 6 where Jesus is saying the same thing. It's just that Luke, being a doctor, gives more detail to the conversation. Here he says it again, verse 37. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Same as the last passage. But he goes on. He says, condemn not 
and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. And then there's a colon there. And then he says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be put into your bosom. For with the measure, the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So that's just like that first verse, except in Luke's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle. But he's basically saying this, to the same degree that you give it out, all of this will be coming back to you. So if you have a judging heart, if you have a condemning heart, if you have a forgiving heart, if you have a giving heart, whatever you give out is what's going to come back to you. That's what I want to talk about today. It's all about the heart. These are heart issues. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you take our time in Bible study today and use it so much more than what I can just do on my own. I pray that you'd help us to have an open heart and to let you do surgery and allow you to speak and move us from where we are. I pray that you would comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable, and move us onto your agenda today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I got a confession to make. Maybe that's why I wore the tie. <laughs> I was sitting at a dinner table last week with my family, and one of my children brought up that one of their friends from school, they had their pipes burst in their house, and they had a flood. You would have thought that my first response would have been, oh, no, and how could we help, and what can we do? Some sort of a, a generous thought. But, you know, that's not where my mind went. I know this family, and I know some of this stuff, and I just immediately start having all these judgmental thoughts, like, I know they're not seeking the Lord, and blah, 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 and my mind quickly ran down a long trail, and before I could really stop myself, I don't know why I said it, but I just sort of blurted out this little statement in front of my kids. I said, <laughs> I said well, they reap what they sow. What? Their pipes burst. Why did I say that? I don't even know why I said that, but I just said, well, people reap what they sow. What does that have to do with burst pipes? I don't know why I said it, but my mind went down this judgmental. You ever done that, you know, like something bad happens to somebody, and you sort of just go into this, well, they deserve it kind of a thing? I don't even know why. I had the thought, but, you know, then this comes out of my mouth in front of my children. Well, I go to bed. <laughs> Wednesday night. Uh, I'm asleep, dreaming about whatever, having a great sleep, and my kids wake me up, shaking me. Dad, the basement's full of water. <laughs> so I go running down, you know, like 2 o'clock in the morning, flying down the stairs, and it immediately occurs to me, I did not turn off the valve for the outside, you know, faucets. Ugh. So I run over, and I shut the valve off, and the water stops, and then we spend the next couple hours. But, but the minute I shut that valve off, you know what thought went through my mind? The Lord played back my own voice from dinner. Well, you just reap what you sow. What? And I was sitting there going, this was a dumb mistake. I just was dumb. I didn't think. And, you know, and I got a mess to clean up. And I got drywall to pull out and floor to replace and all this stuff. And all I could think as I was shup uh, sucking all that water up for a few hours was just this, the Lord going, yep. See, the scripture, it's so ironic what the scripture just says, right? Doesn't it say that? To the measure that you judge, you'll be judged. If you have a condemning heart, the same measure that you condemn, it'll be measured back to you. Actually, it'll be measured, more will be measured back to you. To the degree that you have a forgiving spirit. You see, uh, what is forgiving but, but giving in a sense, right? Forgiving, advance giving. You're either for or against something. So either for giving or you're against giving. If you're for giving, 
you're going to have this generous spirit to let the other person go and kind of cancel the debt. If you have a problem with forgiveness, you have a giving problem, right? But to the same measure that, that you give it out, it will be given back to you. And oftentimes you'll hear this passage taught, and they only focus on giving. It shall be given to you, and it's a giving passage. But it is not a giving passage. This is a heart passage. It's talking about our heart. Give, and it shall be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be given back to you. That applies. Judge, and it will be given back to you. A good measure. Press down, shaken together, it'll be poured back into your lap. Condemn, well, condemnation will be poured back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and poured back in your lap. Forgive, and it'll be poured back to you. Forgiveness will come back your way. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, will be poured back to you into your lap. What does that mean, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, poured back? Well, it's an agricultural image that would be very familiar to those people. Kind of hard for us. But everybody would have got it. You know, that whole system of God taking care of the poor in the Old Testament. A landowner knew that this isn't really my land. I can't extract all the profit out of this field. I have to leave the corners and I have to leave the sides for the poor. And so God accomplished two things in that. One would be that the poor would have their needs met. And two, that the heart of the owner would be adjusted, like, I'm just a steward here, God owns this, and I'm managing it, and not all of this is for me, and part of this is for the poor. So you would have these two kinds of people going into the field. You'd have the owner and his workers, and you know, and they're loading up their baskets, if you can imagine, filling them up, and the fuller they get, the heavier they are, so you're going to fill it up to a place that's comfortable, walk over to the cart, pour it out. Go back, fill it up to a place that's comfortable, go to the cart, pour it out. But the poor person who gets the one shot to come in, now it's time, we're done, let the poor people in to glean in the sides and the corners, that person's going to have a different strategy for filling their basket, right? They're going to fill that basket a good measure, and then they're going to shake it so that it all settles down into all the cracks. And they're going to press it down so that there's as much room as possible. They're going to put more in until maybe it's even running over so they can extract as much as they can. You see, that's the picture. He's saying whatever you give, whatever you give out, it's going to come back to you this way. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, even running over. More is going to come back to you of whatever it is that you give out. This is the picture that you have to have in mind if we're going to understand this passage in Deuteronomy uh, chapter uh, 15 that we're going to read together. He says this in this passage. This is a heart issue now. We're talking about the heart. Okay, he says this, if there's a poor man among you, among your brothers, in any of your towns in the land that the Lord your God has given you, do not be, what, hard-hearted, that's about the heart, or tight-fisted towards your brother, rather be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. I want to talk to you about two enemies of the heart that you're going to have to deal with in 2014. If you want to experience the blessed life, it's not God giving you more so you can get more. No, no. The blessed life starts off with by having the right heart that God can bless. And there's two enemies to a blessed heart. And the first one is this, and we're going to find out in this passage. The first one is you have to deal with a selfish heart. You have to deal with a selfish heart. The first enemy that's in my sights, what's going to have to come out of my heart this year? He says in verse 9, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. So apparently you can have a wicked thought 
The seventh year, the year for canceling debts, is near so that you do not show ill will towards your needy brother and give him nothing. He may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. So what's the wicked thought? Well, selfishness produces sin in our lives. He's saying don't harbor a wicked thought in your heart. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Let me explain. In Israel's system of economy, every seven years was the year where all debts would be forgiven. Can you imagine? If you owe anybody anything, your credit card's maxed out, you get to the seven year, seventh year, and all debts are canceled. How many of you want to go back to that system, right? It's an amazing system. That's why, actually, the bankruptcy laws in this country, you can only file for bankruptcy once every seven years. It comes from the Bible. It comes from, from this system. So every seven years, there was a cancellation of debt. Every seventh uh, seven years, so every 49 years, there was this incredible, the year of Jubilee, not only would all debts be canceled, but all of the property uh, in the country would go back to the original owner. So that in a generation, if you lost everything, your family could be restored. God had a heart to restore his people. And his plan was, I don't want there to be any poor among you. I want there to be a way for even if you make a bad decision or you get sold into slavery or some other, you know, crazy thing happens, there's a way for every person to be restored. You need to know that about the heart of God. He wants to restore people and take back what's been stolen from them. So he says, here's the wicked thought. Somebody comes along and says, I need some money or I'd like a loan for something. And your thought is, okay, well, wait a second. It's like the sixth year, Right? So if I go ahead and lend you something, if you don't pay me back in like six, eight months, we'll get to the end of this next year and it'll be the year of cancellation of debt and you'll never pay me back. So you withhold because of the time of year it is. And he's saying that's a wicked thought to withhold. Deal with a selfish heart. In fact, he calls it a wicked heart. He says, don't think that way. That's not my heart. He says, just be like me. Just give. That's what God did for us. He just gave. He's not a taker. He's a giver. He says, think about what I've, what I've done for you. I didn't ask you to pay me back. I just gave on your behalf. So God calls a selfish heart wickedness. Why? Because self-centeredness and selfishness is so anti the nature of who God is. If you're going to be a child of God, if you're going to be a son or a daughter of God, he wants you to have his heart. And a selfish, self-centered heart is the total opposite of the nature of God. And he cannot bless attitudes and behavior. He can't bless a heart that is totally the opposite of his. He can't trust it. Now, here's the problem. We are all born selfish. All of us are born. You know the first word we all learn really well? Mine. Mine, mine, mine. The children's laws of ownership. You ever heard of these? If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it in my hand a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. <laughs> I mean, you can see this play out when you bring the kids together and God's recognizes like we as parents are teaching our children, share, share, you got to share. We do this to our children and God is saying the same thing to us. When are you going to grow over your selfishness and your self-centeredness? We've got to come to the place where we deal with that 
And so this is not at all a passage of Scripture that is used sometimes to say, give and you'll get. That's, you're missing the heart of God. This is not a give so you can get. This is give to give. This is, God, I see your heart, and because of that, I deal with my selfishness, and I give. So that's the first enemy of the heart. The second enemy of the heart is to deal with not only a selfish heart, but deal with a grudging heart. It's about grudging and about judgment and about condemnation and about forgiving and all the stuff that, that, that keeps us prisoner to the past. We can't look forward to the blessing of God when we're grudging something that happened behind us. And how many people are spending their lives and their heart is just a grudging heart? They can't even see the blessing of God. Deal with a grudging heart. Look at the attitude that God points out here. Verse 10. So give generously to him and do so, look, without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you do. You get rid of a grudging spirit in your heart. Take grudging out of your heart. I'll bless you on your job. And I'll bless you in everything you do. What's everything you do? Well, everything, like your marriage and your finances and your, your relationship with your children and, and everything, every area of your life. I don't think we recognize how much of life is connected to a bitter, grudging spirit and what that prevents us from having in our life. He says, you got to deal with a self-centered, selfish heart. You better get rid of a grudging spirit. Look at the promise here. But if you, if you give generously... I'll bless you in all of your work and everything that you do if I can just change your heart. See, selfishness attacks us before we give because we think it's mine, but grudging attacks us after we give. You ever have that moment after you've given something or after you've promised to give something and then something really big breaks? <laughs> and you're like, oh, why did I promise that? Oh, why did I give that? Uh, why, why, did, why did this? And we, we, we get a grudging spirit. And you know what the devil does to us in those moments? He comes to us and says, I bet you wish you hadn't been so generous. I bet you wish you hadn't given. I bet you wish you'd have done this. And he tries to, to grab us into some sort of a self-protective, grudging spirit. <laughs> Listen, friends, stuff's going to break. That's just life. The blessed life is not some sort of a little, you know, dome where nothing bad ever happens in your life. Stuff's going to break. Stuff's going to go wrong. But the question is, when I'm living the blessed life, I have the confidence that God is with me and he's working all things together for my good. That he's going to use even this broken thing to do something great. He's going to reveal his purpose. I'm going to see God in it. So now I just have a great opportunity to trust God. You know, a little distracted sometimes. Just remember, I've got to give somebody... I got to take somebody to lunch today. I forgot to take some money out of uh, the ATM. So I need some money. If somebody can just give me, oh, wow, how generous of you. Thank you very much. Dr. Stephen Dewey, everybody, thank you very much. Wow. Let's see, what do we got here? One, two, three. That's like 100 bucks. Now, how could he just run over? And just hand me 100 bucks just like that. You know how he could do that? I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> I gave it to him. I'm just going to confess. He, he, I gave it to him. I said, hey, when I get to this point, just run up. You, you know why he could do that so easily? Why? It wasn't his. It was my money. I gave it to him. And so 
when he realizes that it's not his and it's mine, what is he doing? He's not, he's not giving this to me. What is he doing? He's just returning it. This is a good illustration, by the way. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? When you recognize that God has given you everything, if you really believe it, you don't have a grudging spirit, like, I don't own anything. I'm just a steward. I, I, I have what God has blessed me with. When he asks you and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to do something, you gladly do it. There's no grudging because he's just said, I just asked you to hold on to it for a little while, and I want you to pass it on. See, the reason we resent and the reason why we grudge is we think somebody's taking something that belongs to us when everything that we have comes from God. The secret of the blessed life, friends, is to really believe that I am a, I'm a blessed steward, that God has entrusted me with everything that I have. I don't own anything, and he's taking care of me. He's providing for all of my expenses and all of my needs, and he's got my whole life. I'm just a manager of what he's provided. Because we're really not giving. We're just giving back and bringing back to him what belongs to him. Now, I've talked about these two enemies of the heart, which really have us tight, the, the selfishness and a grudging spirit. So what's the antidote? What's the opposite? Well, in 2014, then, the goal is this. Develop a generous heart. Look what verse 11 says. He says, there will always be poor in the land. I laugh because people quote this all the time. You ever heard people say this? Well, the poor will always have with us. And they use that. If you ever heard anybody say that, they're usually saying that like, well, we can't help everybody. We can't really, we can't fix all the problems. The poor will always have with us. But look what it says. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers, towards the poor and the needy in your land. Wow. Verse 14, supply him liberally or generously from your flock, your threshing floor, your wine press. In other, in other words, imagine what does that mean to us? Your flock, so your stored assets from your threshing floor, the place of your work, from your wine press. I mean, your, from, from, your, from, from your life. Give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. It all comes from God. Give out of what the Lord has blessed you with. Now, now lest you think that we've moved out of the, the core subject, in Luke chapter 6, I read you verse 37 and 38, and Jesus is talking to our hearts, and this is a heart issue. Let me go back and just read a few verses before, verse 30 from that passage in Luke. Listen now to the words of Jesus with this frame of mind. Jesus says, give to everyone who asks of you. There's no... There's no um, qualifications. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, so you also do to them likewise. We know that as the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back... What credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. But I say to you, he says, love your enemies, do good, and lend hoping for nothing in return. Now that sounds like giving with the right heart. And when I look at where my heart is or where your heart is and you hold it up to the standard, we see how selfish and how grudging we are. But he says... 
Hope for nothing in return. Why? For your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Now this is how you become like God in your heart. His heart is to give. You want to become his child, become his son or daughter. Become a giver. Become generous. Because look, he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, you be merciful just as your father also is merciful. He's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked and the evil. You know who he's talking about? He's talking about me. He's talking about you. He's talking about all of us who have that wicked, selfish heart. And God did not wait for us to be good and for us to be thankful before he, he showed his mercy to us. He just gave without asking anything back. Gave his only son, I might add. So we've got to deal with selfishness and deal with a grudging spirit and develop a generous heart. It all goes back to the heart. He's saying to you and to me, quit being so judgmental. Quit being so con condemning. Quit being so resistant to letting go and forgiving. Quit being so, so you know, selfish. You know, you're always telling your kids to share. Share. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus would go on to say. Whatever you're investing in, that's where your heart's going to be. So God's saying, I don't need your stuff. I, don't, I got it all. But what I want is your heart. And this is, again, moving way past giving to get. This is about an internal transformation of our heart. And so how do I get a generous heart? Because it seems so impossible. Well, it's the last point I want to give you. This is the key to developing a generous heart. It's number four, develop a grateful heart. Generosity comes from gratitude. When you're grateful, you have no problem being generous because you realize what has been given to you. This is the why of generosity. Why should I be generous? Well, you remember what's been done for you. So look at verse 15. This is the last verse. He says this, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. When you and I who live in this time here, you know, since the New Testament, when we see Egypt, you know what that's talking about? That's talking about the place of bondage and slavery, the place of sin, of captivity. So he says, remember uh, that you were slaves to your addictions, to your sins, to your, to your brokenness, to all of the stuff that you were, your attitudes, your behavior, you were stuck. You didn't know why I kept doing the things I'm doing, but I'm, I kept doing them. I was stuck. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That's why I give you this command today. That's why he says be, he commands his people. He says, I command you. I command you to be generous. Why? Because you were a slave. You didn't own anything, and I redeemed you. It's not because you're forced or you have to or it would even just be a nice thing. He's going, come on, after all that I've done for you, I command you to be like this if you're going to be my son or daughter. I've blessed you and now I want you to be like me and I want you to be a blessing. Now, I'm certainly not setting up myself as a perfect example on this. I, I, my heart is still pretty wicked and pretty judgmental and yet in so many ways, um, if you are, those of you who, who know, are close enough to know me and you know my family and you see my children and you watch what God has done in our lives, you, would, you, you know I can stand here and say, I'm living the blessed life. And, uh, and you know our story. You know how years ago 
uh, God spoke to us to come to Indianapolis, and we said, we're going to go. We'll come. And we sold everything that we had. We packed up our stuff in a minivan, and we came here. We didn't know anybody in this city, but we obeyed God's call, and we started to give our lives for the sake of other people. We, we in the last several years, we've given away everything that we've had. We've, we've cleared out our savings account twice, where we gave away everything. We gave away cars. We've given away We just give away what God puts in our hand. You know, we were raised like this. We were raised as kids knowing that the tithe is the Lord, and we tithed ever since I was six years old. But, so the first half of our married life, that's exactly what we did. We gave 10% of our income. About seven years ago, my wife and I decided that why would we continue to do anything the way we've always done it, like we were six, and we decided to start giving more of our lives away. We wanted God to deal with the selfishness in our heart and give us a more generous and more grateful spirits. And so we started to start giving more. And we started increasing and progressively increasing. We moved past the percentage to a progressive and priority giving. And you know, by the grace of God, it's amazing what happens when you live the blessed life. That by the end of 2014, my wife and I were able to give 25% of our income away every year. And that's a miracle. I don't even know how that all happens with two kids, a daughter about to go to school in college and a son in college, but God is blessing our life. And people have asked me about this question, and and they ask it sincerely, how do you do that? How do you, I mean, why does it so, you talk about it like it's so easy for you. How do you, how do you get there? How do you, how do you do that? And man, you know what? It's, it's easier than you think. When I look about where my life was, the more I think about my heart and what I'd been given and how for a period of my life the direction I went and how far away from God I was and how hard my heart was towards him, and I think about where I am today and what he's brought me back from and what he's given me and how he's blessed me, when I think of the goodness of God to my life, you would give everything too. You wouldn't even think about it because you just have a track record of trusting God that he's got you. And he's trying, he's using all of these things, all the situations, the the good and the bad. And he's, the whole point of it is to shape my heart, to make me like him, to make me a generous person like he is so I can represent him well. The secret of life is that God wants to make you like him so that you can be a blessing to others. And when you get that and when that gets into your being and you really understand that, it's the pathway to the blessed life. Let me tell you, when your heart gets less selfish and less self-centered and less grudging, less judgmental, less condemning, um, I mean, doesn't that just sound like Doesn't that just ring true that that's what God would want for you? When your heart gets like that and you become a more generous person and a more grateful person, you'll live the blessed life. So I want to pray for you today. I want to ask you to just say, God, where am I? And I want you to think about um, what would he be saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I, I say that a lot, but I don't want you just to you know, hear that, like that means he's closing the message. I mean, really ask yourself the question, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? The secret of happiness is a heart set free. And that's what I want for you today. Let's pray together.
Now, as we pray, I want to just urge you, the time for spiritual procrastination is over. If you understood the days in which we live, you would want to align yourself with the heart of God more than ever. You want to be in the center of his will. In fact, you might be the first person in your whole family to ever make this step away. Some of you, your whole families, the whole culture of your family is judgmental and condemning and grudging and complaining, and it's just misery. And he wants to call you out of that, to consecrate you from all that desecration and say, I want you on a different path. That's why you're here today. You could be the first person in your family to change the direction of a family culture that's just leading people down the wrong path. So I want God to bless you. And I'm giving you the opportunity to say, God, take my heart. And there's a downward spiral that starts first. God will start to show you how selfish and how grudging and judgmental you are. It's part of it. Don't fear that. That's just how God shows us what's wrong with our lives so that we'll call out to him and ask him to help us. So you're right where he wants you today. Why don't you say to him, Lord, I see how wicked my heart is. I'm truly sorry for my sin. I want to follow you now. I want my heart to be changed. By the end of 2014, I want to be market, have a markedly more generous heart and a markedly more grateful heart. So I open my heart to you today and I invite you into my life. If you've never done that before, give him your heart today. Jesus Christ, take my life and change my heart. I'm willing to trust you. And for some of you who've believed him for a long time but you've just stubbornly resisted him, the key to the blessed life is to open your heart to God and hold nothing back and do what he's telling you to do. You say, yes, God, I'm going to do that this year. I'm going to change my heart towards you. Now, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would pour a great blessing out on people who just by faith today make that decision. May we not just be hearers of this word but be doers of it now. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.